right, so um, got to begin with my dad joke today. By the way, I heard a story this morning that said dad jokes are actually good for their children. Did you know that? Did you ever tell dad jokes? I know, I know you did, right? Debbie was never embarrassed by you by telling a joke. I know that's not true. But they're good for their kids because apparently when they get embarrassed at home, it makes them easier to handle embarrassment outside the home. So there you go. And so my dad joke for the day is, why do calves have hooves instead of feet? Because they lactose. All right, I know. I'm sorry, I can't help it. I, if you're mad at me, I'm sorry. I'll, I, you know, for, please forgive me. All right. Well, we started a study last week on prayer, and we talked about the idea of, of the purpose of prayer, right? What is, what is, the, what is the meaning? What, why do we do it? What's it for? What's it all about, right? And we came up with an acronym that we can kind of use and help us follow perhaps, ACTS, A-C-T-S, and we talked about the basic uh, tenets of prayer. You know, first and foremost we, is adoration. We should be praising our God. We should be adoring our Father who has given us everything, right? Without Him, we would be nothing. Who has provided for us in this life, provided for us in this world, and has given us that hope of eternal life with Him in eternity. And we talked about the C there, or confession, and that we are to be humble when we pray. And we are to confess our sins and tell God about our shortcomings. He wants us to lay things out there for him, lay it before him. Ask for that forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness of the way that we do things, of the, of, of the things that we do in the flesh that are not pleasing to him or helpful to others, right? And then, of course, the T is Thanksgiving. And, of course... Through that humility, while we're confessing our sins, we should be thankful, right? Thankful, of course, for his salvation, for his love for us so much, so great, that he would send his son for us, right? Thanksgiving, thankful for the things he's provided for us, for our spouses, our families, the clothes on our back, right? The shelter, the houses, the way, the way he takes care of us, the, the feeding, right? The things that we have in need that he provides for us. And then, of course, finally, the S for supplication, where... We're praying for things to happen, not just for ourselves, and, the, and, the, and, and there's nothing wrong with praying for things in our lives, praying for things in, our, in our, our families, and of course we do that humbly, but praying for all men, all those around, fellow, fellow men, friends, family members, leaders, right, those around, praying that his providence will take place, his, his ability to supply what our needs are and the needs of those around us. So. We talked about those things, and of course, that becomes the purpose, right? The purpose of our prayer, the purpose, uh, the, the reason we do it, right? Is because we are able to go into the very throne room of God and come before Him and talk to Him. The creator of the universe. You ever thought about that? You ever think about the fact that you're able to talk to the creator of the universe, and He will talk back? He will provide. He will answer your request. And we're going to talk a little more about that today, and I think you're going to like it. How's your prayer life? Are you in prayer every day? Is it something that you prioritize in your life, or is it something that you kind of like, think to do when, you, when, you, when you're feeling down? 
or think to do when something goes wrong in the family. How is your prayer life? Today we're going to talk about what we're going to say is the power of prayer. All right, The power of prayer, what it provides for us, and hopefully answer that question as to why aren't you praying constantly? Because if there is power in prayer, why aren't you taking advantage of it? Why aren't you doing it daily? And of course, those around us today, I, our sister Debbie, others that are that are sick or or have have you know ailments, you know that they can tell you that they need that prayer, right? They're going to be the first ones to tell you. But for those of us who seem to be doing pretty well right now, maybe not so much having issues in our lives or our families, is prayer the priority in your life? Are you taking advantage? Of the power that is in prayer well Jesus Jesus knew that people would become lack in their prayers in their prayer life he knew we would slack off and he told a parable look turn over to Luke chapter 18 and let's let's read that parable Luke chapter 18 <coughs> beginning of <at> verse 1 <coughs> it says then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her lest by her continual coming she weary me. All right? You ever had somebody that troubled you? What's the old phrase? The squeaky wheel gets the oil, right? That's what Jesus is talking about right here. He's talking about a widow who continually came to this leader and said, take care of this situation for me. Do you do that? you bring things to God on a daily basis, asking him to take care of it? Read verse 6 there, he says, Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Jesus is telling his disciples in this prayer that you are to request things from God not just when you need it but every day just like the widow was constantly coming to the leader wanting help needing help asking for it saying when are you gonna do this apparently that's how we're supposed to be as children of God we have that opportunity to do that and God wants us to do that he wants us to be constantly in prayer, asking him to help. Interesting, though, that last verse there, Jesus even finishes this as wondering if he's really going to find faith on the earth when he returns. You see, he's relating that parable to our faith. And if we have faith, a faith that's able to move mountains, why wouldn't we be in prayer every day? 
asking unceasingly. Why not? There is a great power there that he wants us to take advantage of. I don't understand that fully. I don't understand what all goes on when I'm praying with God. But I know he wants me to do it, and he wants me to be doing it continually, never ceasing. Paul frequently exhorted Christians to be diligent in their prayers. Turn over, well, let's not turn, I'll just say, Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication. Colossians 4, 2, he said, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. And of course, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 says, pray without ceasing. You see, if we become slack in our prayers, maybe that's an indication of our faith. Maybe that's something that shows we kind of step back on that relationship we have with him. But of course, we're not taking advantage of that power that we have in prayer, right? Let's consider some things that relate to this power of prayer. Of course, first and foremost, we have forgiveness, right? We have forgiveness through prayer. First John cha chapter 1, let's turn over there and read a few verses from that. And I've said this before, but whenever you're feeling like you need forgiveness or you're struggling with some temptation perhaps or something that's in your life, First John's a great place to go to see what God has to say about it. First John chapter 1, let's begin in verse 5. He says, This is the message which you have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie, do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. The Christian, the believer, can find forgiveness through the blood of Christ. Covered Acts chapter 8. Let's see another example of prayer being used along with forgiveness. Acts chapter 8 and beginning verse 18. This is when Simon the sorcerer saw the apostles laying on the hands and healing, and he wanted that. He wanted the ability to do that. Listen to what he says there in Verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on the apostles' hands the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power, also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perished with you because you, you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money? You have neither part nor portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Here we have an example of Simon being told to pray to be forgiven of his sin. Just the thought, just the idea that he could buy the Holy Spirit with money was a grievous sin. And Peter says, pray that this can be forgiven of you. So we know that we have forgiveness through prayer. That's powerful, isn't it? 
what else do we get? Turn over to Philippians chapter 4. We read this last week. I don't want to read it again. Philippians chapter 4. <coughs> and let us uh, read uh, verse 6. Philippians 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Wait a minute. What did he say there? Be anxious for nothing. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. You see, through prayer, we have peace. Do you want peace in your life? Are you going through something where you need some kind of relief? Perhaps it's a physical ailment. Perhaps it's a situation at work. Perhaps it's a loss of a job. Perhaps it's a family member who's on their last part of life. Do you need peace? Paul says, pray about it. Pray. Be anxious for nothing. The antidote for anxiety is prayer. Have you experienced that? Have you been so troubled that you went down on your knees and went in prayer and afterwards felt the relief? I mean, physically felt the relief. Have you done that? I have. There's been times when I needed that for whatever reason. And it really something that's not just saying it there's something physically involved there in the soul too of course in the spirit that relieves that anxiety so we have peace from God I think you would want that what else do we get turn over to Ephesians in chapter 3 let's see what's said there Ephesians chapter 3 <coughs> and verse 4 uh, 14 Paul says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. There, I just said it. We go before the creator of the universe who named everything. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul prayed that the Ephesians might be strengthened in the inner man. How do they gain the strength through prayer? That's something we get through prayer is strength. Strength to go on. Strength to live in this world where there is sickness and war. Strife. We need strength to go on, don't we? And especially when we are trying to serve. We need that strength that comes through his power. 
see that that power that we get through prayer. What else do we get? Well, turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. See what it says here. <clears throat> Paul says. <clears throat> verse 5. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 5. Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers to whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters in one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. God provides us opportunities. Opportunities for what? Well, Paul new opportunities to teach, to preach, right? To deliver the gospel to those who needed to hear it. Go on over to chapter 16 there and see what else he says. He says in verse 8, chapter 16 of 1 Corinthians, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a great and effective door has opened to me and there are many adversaries Paul saw opportunities that he knew the Lord had opened for him through prayer this is done he knew that the Lord opened doors and gave him opportunities do we pray for that do we pray for opportunities to speak to others about our faith Go back to chapter 2 there in 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. And be, uh, verse 11. Second, I'm sorry, I'm in Galatians. Chapter 2. Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ, preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me by the Lord, I had no rest in my spirit, because I did not find Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I departed from Macedonia. Remember Paul's vision? The man saying, come over into Macedonia and help us? Through prayer, he was given opportunities. He prayed for opportunities, and through that, he was able to preach the gospel to many. He therefore requested prayer that such opportunities would continue. Colossians 4, you can read that. Do we pray that the field will be ripe for us, that we will have opportunities to preach, that God will help us to see those opportunities when they arise? What else do we get through prayer? Turn over to Acts chapter 4. This is kind of a good follow-up to that statement about the opportunities, talking about the opportunities. I want to read Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. I want you to pay attention to what's going on in this passage, especially at the end. Acts 4, verse 23 says, 
and being let go, they went to their own companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So when they heard that, they raised their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, will gather together to do whatever your hand and your purpose determined before to be done. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to hell, and that signs and wonders may be done through, may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. What's going on here? You have disciples who have gathered together talking about what has been done persecution-wise, what Herod, what the kings have done against God and his Christ. And they're one. They are one body, and they are in prayer as one. Verse 31, I want you to notice what happens. And when they had prayed... The place where they were even assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. Apparently, something miraculous occurred there. It says the building was shaken. I don't know if that was an earthquake or if something was local to that building that they were gathered together in. But because they were together as one in prayer, there was great power. So much so that the building was shaken. So much so that they were filled with another outpouring of the Spirit. And they prayed with boldness. What is boldness? Definition of the word boldness is what? Courage, confidence, right? Speaking without fear. Or perhaps speaking with fear, but doing it anyway. Right? Understanding that you are speaking on behalf of who? The guy that created the universe. I shouldn't say the guy, the God that created the universe. And through that prayer, you can have boldness. You can have confidence that no matter what happens to you, God's will will be done. And through that, you have the promises, right? You know where you're going. You know what to do. And you can have great faith, great confidence in that. God's going to take care of you. Has God taken care of you? pretty much in your life. Has he? I mean, if you look back, most of you folks in here are a little older, I know. We're all getting that way. But as you look over your life, has God taken care of you? Has your faith grown over your life? Can you see the way you were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 10 years ago, one year ago? 
has your faith continued to be manifested in your life that you can speak with boldness? Or are you so afraid of uh, somebody thinking you're silly? Or are you so afraid of someone thinking you're dummy because you believe in this invisible person? Are you so afraid of losing a job? So afraid of losing a friend that you don't speak with boldness. You see, if you're in prayer constantly, unceasingly, perhaps that will help you gain that strength, gain that peace, gain that opportunity, and have the ability to speak with boldness. We get that through prayer, folks. Ephesians 6, go back over there. Let's see what Paul did with this. Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6, uh, verse 19. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He's asking for them to pray that he can do that. Kind of like what we read there in Acts 4, right? As one in prayer. Can you imagine what might happen here if we all were praying together as one, boldly? I don't know if the building would shake. Something might happen. Who knows? There's great boldness we can have in prayer. What else do we get through prayer? Let's turn over to James chapter 1 and see what he had to say about some of this. James chapter 1. And let's see, let's begin verse, uh, let's just start with two. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts, it's like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything of the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. We are promised wisdom. What does that mean? It doesn't necessarily mean knowledge, right? He doesn't just give us knowledge, but he does provide wisdom. We get that through uh, prayer. A faithful person understanding what he is going to provide for us and unceasingly in prayer about it is going to have wisdom. Have you ever had some problem that you had no idea what you're going to do about it? Yeah. I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. Did you go to God in prayer about it? Did you get an answer after that? 
maybe not in a direct way, but slowly it came to you. What needed to be done was revealed in one way or another, right? We get wisdom through prayer. If you need to figure something out, go to God. Simple as that. Why wouldn't you? He knows what to do. He knows what to do. Your wife, your husband, they probably don't know. Your kids don't know. Your parents don't know. They're just in the flesh. Go to God. Remember Job? All of his buddies came and told him, man, you're full of sin. That's why God, all this stuff's happened to you. Wasn't true. They didn't know really. They just told him some stuff. You know, they just said some stuff. Job prayed to God about it, and God said, guess what? I'm taking care of you. I'm in charge here. Yeah, I'm allowed some things to happen to you, but through your faith and your perseverance, you will be strengthened, and you'll have wisdom. Yeah, you don't understand how I did this stuff, how I created the universe, how I created these huge animals and stuff. You don't understand that. You don't need to know that. All you need to know is that I am in charge. Why wouldn't you want to go to him? Take advantage of that. Turn over to James chapter 5 there. See something else he says. Verse 13. <clears throat> Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Wait a minute. Read that again. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I've heard that verse before. Verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. We get healing from God. How? Through prayer. A couple of us elders just visited someone last week in the hospital, prayed over them. Don't want to get into the details there, but we do that. It's very scriptural. There's something to it. And of course, those prayers will be answered. There is healing from God. Man, if you are sick, and I know many of you are now, have been, will be, were you in prayer constantly about it? He wants you to do it. He wants you to do it. And were you asking for prayers from others? We have a prayer list we go over every, at the beginning of every class, right? We pray during our worship service for those who are in need of healing. Because he says, you get it through prayer. Why wouldn't you want that kind of power? What else do we get? Turn over to Romans chapter 13. 
Read something else. I talked a little bit about this last week. I'm going to mention it again. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. <clears throat> and this is talking about, um, Paul's talking about dealing with those who are in authority. But I want to see some things we can glean from it. Verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. Say that again. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Did you know that? Your government is appointed by God. Did you know that? Yeah, we, we can complain all day. We can gripe. that government is there only by the grace of God. Read on. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Hmm. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be afraid of the authority? Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you'll have praise from the same, for he is God's minister to you, for good but if you do evil be afraid for he does not bear the sword in vain for he is God's minister an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath but also for conscience sake wait a minute therefore you must be subject not only because of wrath but also because of the conscience what for because of this you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. What's he saying here? Well, we should be subject to our authorities, right? And our government is placed by God. And you say, well, what about all those evil dictators out there? Well, I don't know. It doesn't seem reasonable that God would place a tyrant in power. But he has a purpose, right? I don't know what that is. I just need to be in prayer about it. I need to be in prayer that he's going to place people in power that will try to act according to his will. Try to act in the best faith of his people. What do we get from that? Yeah, we think we get the right to complain. We think we get the, I, I know, when, when you pay those taxes, you think, you stinking government. But God said, that's what provides you tranquility. That's how you get peace in your life. It's through that government that he has put in place. Do you feel safe at night when you go to bed? Reasonably safe? Do you honor those around you who protect you? I know we've heard lots of things in the 
news in the media lately about how the police are not acting properly. But remember, those people are placed there by God to help you live in a civil society. Civilization, we get it through the government that God has placed. Therefore, we have tranquility through that power, that power through, through prayer, and the prayer we, prayer we have to have that, to have tranquility. Power prayer can indeed be a blessing. I know we're running out of time. I want to read one more passage before we're done here. Turn over to Hebrews chapter 4 real quickly. Verse 14. Hebrews 4. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, what is in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. The effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. New King James says that. There's several translations talking about the power that comes through prayer. How is that done? Through Jesus Christ, our high priest, our mediator. We can literally go before the throne room. That veil, remember, when he was crucified, how it was torn from top to bottom of the Holy of Holies? Men could not go in there, only the high priest once a year. Now it's made available. Because his, his blood makes us pure. If you're not taking advantage of prayer, man, you need to start now. There's great power in it. Next week, we're going to talk about the privilege to pray. As Christians, do we have that privilege? All right, I'm sorry I ran over. Thanks for being here.